So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Blog Talk Radio. This is Thad. Welcome to Shades of Blue Soccer Show. Um, ben and Mike, do I have both of you on? Ben, you there? Yes, I am. Mike? I am here. All right. Lots and lots to cover again. Uh, since last time we talked, I believe we've had two matches, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Sporting and... Let's see. We had one, one sporting game that counted and one that didn't, but was just a little bit of fun nevertheless. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about that one first. Sporting in Man City. Um, Mike, is there anything we can take from that game? Uh, anything that we should uh, learn from that? I don't, I mean, yeah, there's always something you can learn from the game, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot you can take from it. I don't think... Um, I just don't think the team as a whole was I, – I think they were up for it, but I don't think they were <clears throat> into it, if that makes sense. They they're, they just didn't see, seem to uh, – the, the, the golfing class between players like Navas and, um, and uh, I would butcher his name, the um, Serbian guy that, that uh, City has up top, the, the difference in class was there. 
Um, but I mean, I you can take a little bit from from uh, particularly from the the way some of the reserves played in, in the game. I um, I think our first look at Claros was he, he looked good in, in his forty five minutes. Um, Kafari uh, a little a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, both sides of things and Stoibel uh, I probably butchered that one as well. I mean, he, he, him, he, he looked okay, but I don't think I saw enough of him, really. Uh, Martin Stuble. That's Thank his you. Name. It's, it's Stuble, and it's the, from what I understand, it's Stuble, not Stuple. The uh, yeah. thing that impressed me about yeah, Stuble is that he actually is that that day. Go ahead, Ben, sorry. Go ahead, Ben, sorry. Yeah. Um, and, the big thing that I was looking in forward to in that game was seeing Claros. Um and from what I saw he seemed to fit in fairly well with the system. Now we haven't seen him with the starters yet and he's a presumptuous starter in the defensive midfield, but I think he looked good in the four four three or rather in the four three three and I think he seemed to fit in well with the system of being attacking and being very aggressive. So I think he's going to fit in very well. And it's very likely we're going to see him Friday night against Philadelphia just because Olam's going to be, or rather, never mind, Olam's not going to be there either because he'll be playing for Kenya, but which makes it even more likely we'll see Claros on Friday. So he looked good, and I'm interested to see how he looks on Friday. Yeah, it's uh, it will be... I, I will be interested to see if he does play or start that game. Um, I, I think Vermees could always uh, put Phil Harbor back there like he did during mm-hmm. the absence of everybody. But, um, it, it, yeah, I think from my point of view, I, I think uh, Stuble was most impressive just because he just got off the plane that morning and had, didn't even know any of his yeah. teammates' names yet. Um, yeah. Claros was calm and... and you know, he, he's a guy, you, you know he can play at that level. It's just he has to get used to the team and the style and everything else. He's He obviously can play. Uh, Kafari, he was so out of shape that it really, that's why they subbed him. Um, but he had a couple of good moments, and he had a couple of moments that yeah, wasn't so good. So, but going to the first half when it was pretty much starters versus Man City's uh one-and-a-half-second-team kind of thing. Uh, they didn't do that bad. I mean, they were down 2-1, but it could have been it could have been 3 nothing, or it could have been 3-3. Three, three. Um, they obviously outplayed sporting a little bit, but it wasn't that far off. It was kind of – that was the – I found myself liking that game at that point, and I wasn't looking forward to it so much. But in the first half, it was just kind of fun because it didn't matter. And um, mm-hmm. it, it's like both teams were just going for it. I mean, the – uh, ben, did you kind of get that sense that first half? Definitely, and so I was really – I came to the realization about the 40th minute that we were bringing on uh, the reserves in the second half, and I, I kind of lost my seat for that game because I was really excited to be watching this game right then because at that point it was tied and Sporting was actually able to mount some attacks on Man City. And it, well, I, I would say that it was about 60-40 in favor of Man City attacking over Sporting Kansas City, but they looked decent. They looked like a good team facing a great team. Um, so 
I really, really liked that first half. Second half was just kind of evaluating the reserves and seeing how they did against um, pretty much the same team that the starters had played against. Man City didn't make them any subs until late, so it was it was a fun game. I'm still I'm still not um, okay, I guess, with uh, that mid-season friendly when we've had all the injury problems and all the competitions we're in. But it was it was still fun to watch. How about you, Mike? I know you often don't like these mid-season friendlies either, but uh, did you at least have some fun that first half? First half was enjoyable. I mean, we 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 had our moments. We we looked good. I mean, uh, we hit the we, right after City took the lead. We hit the we, we hit the crossbar that would have tied it. We had the the goal called back for offside. I mean, we we were in the game for for the first half, even though City was uh, did look to be the better team. We did we we didn't look completely out of place in that in the first half. By the time halftime rolled around, I was like, "Okay, let's get the guys off the field. Let's uh, let's get an eye toward Saturday with Toronto." And and I was I was pretty much done. I'm like, "Okay, cool. They got a 45 minute run out. Got to stretch legs. Got to get some uh, some uh, a run out against guys that they're not that, that they wouldn't be facing in practice, basically." So I, I, by halftime, I was I was good. I liked what I'd seen, and I was ready to uh, ready to move on to Saturday. Mm-hmm. One, one other thing we didn't really mention in uh, that that we saw in the second half was uh, Kimpin. I thought uh, while he got scored on a couple times, one was a, a penalty and one was a shot from basically point blank, where his defense let him down quite a bit. But I thought uh, he looked like he's matured quite a bit. And he looked like he was controlling his box, and he he had he's starting to get that commanding presence at that young age. Uh, did you guys get? Uh, that same look at him, uh, Mike. Well, he, I, I did, and I mean, I, I think you can you can uh, note that down to the fact that he he's been an everyday starter in 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 Oklahoma City. I mean, last year with Orlando, yeah, he started the season as uh, as their uh, starting goalkeeper with uh, Gallardo out, but one, once Gallardo came back, uh, Kempen's minutes were fairly limited for for Orlando. So. Um, him being an everyday starter, him getting those games—that's base. That, that's the reason we sent him down on loan. That's why the reason we send any of the guys down on loan is to get them that game time that they—they're not necessarily going to get in, in Kansas City. So, I mean, I think we're going to see uh, Kempen really begin to develop now with him being able to get games. Very true. Benny, uh, anything to add, or should we move on? Uh, yeah, well, one of the things that I really noticed was it seems like he's gotten taller. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I, 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 it was just one of the things that I noticed because he always looked like last during last year's Open Cup game um, when Kronberg was injured. Um, he he just did not look as big as he did in this game, and so and you're right, he looked like he was. More mature, he looked like he looked like a guy who is a regular starter at a club and is now ready to play a, a full season. So when the time comes for him to take over the Sporting Kansas City uh, keeper spot, he's going to be ready. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him develop more in Oklahoma City. And then once he comes up and is becoming the full time starter for Sporting Kansas City, I'm excited to see him play in that position too. Excellent. 
Um, the other game that we saw this week, and the one that really counted and meant something, uh, ended up being a pretty good result despite the uh, first half. The uh, my, my take on it at the time was uh, we had a fairly bad first half and a fairly good second half despite losing our captain. Um, Mike, would, what's your observations on that game, I guess? I mean, w- with that game, I think... I mean, we for for lack of a better term, we lucked out in, in the game in in a number of areas. I mean, uh, Toronto controlled the first half. Dominic Duro played probably the best the best game I've ever seen him play. Now, granted, I haven't seen him play a lot, but he he he's played he played better in that game than any other game I've seen him play in. So, I mean, the he was very much in form. He he made Sitsinovic look like look like a horrible horrible left back which we know isn't true he 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 basically any good opportunity that Toronto had throughout the game came through Oduro i mean their goals the two times they hit the post in the first half and, and even uh even the second half chances everything was going through Oduro i mean i looked at the uh i looked at the optostats for the fouls and it's insane how how much of you, you can just see how Toronto attacked based off of the fact of where our fouls were on the field. Oh, absolutely, uh, Ben. Uh, it was just such a weird game, considering Matt Beaver is the one that gets the red card, and then Jacob Peterson is the one who scores the game winner. Just a very weird game all around, and there's been a lot of talk about the two yellow cards, and I think it's a consensus, at least my opinion, is that we don't have a good enough replay on the second yellow card to really judge um, how much Oduro embellished it. From what we have, to me, it looked like Oduro embellished it, and it looked kind of soft, but then again, um, we don't have a good enough replay, and I have my biases towards the team. So, I, I, I still don't... I still can't make a full judgment on whether that should have been a second yellow, but at least we're missing Beezer for a game against Philadelphia, who doesn't have the strongest attack than if, than if we were playing a Los Angeles or a, uh, or, or a Toronto again. So, if this game was going to come at a... If this game against Philly was going to come at a... Um, or rather, if the yellow card was going to come at, at a... I don't even know. I lost my train of thought. Maybe you could just go ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> could have come at a worse time, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, with possible, I'm not, I'm not sure what the status on Sinovic. I haven't. I didn't go to practice today. Um, I haven't heard anything about him. And with Olam going up to Kenya, we just don't know what our status is going to be for the defense for this week. Yeah, no, there there are a lot of a lot of questions, more questions heading out of this game than than I think most of us would have liked. I mean, we, um, yeah, we got the win. We lost Beasler. We easily could have lost Colin. On a different day, we also could have we could have lost our entire back line in that game if uh, with a different referee on the field. I mean, Colin e- easily probably should have gotten a red card for his uh, challenge on Gilberto. And on another day, another ref would see uh, Julio's uh, shirt tug on Oduro as a 
denial of a goal-scoring opportunity and give him a red card. So, I mean, that all with the injury to Sinovic, we really could have lost our entire back line in one game, which would have just which would have just been topped everything that's happened this entire season with our defense. <laughs> uh, that would probably prompt for me to start an all-forward back line just to <laughs> go all out on attack. Oh, I'd yeah. see him coming out of retirement to, if that happened. <laughs> yeah, play zero five five. Yeah, uh, that's that's. I know we there's lots of jokes going around when we kept getting people injured, you know. But you know, Vermees coming out of retirement, uh, getting Becky Sauerbrunn to come over from FC Casey. Uh, you know, who all you know having tryouts in the parking lot after the game. Vermees buying beer. Lots of different options for uh, filling in that back line there. The uh, going back to Beasler for a second though. I don't know if Mike did you touch on did you, did you think that those were two valid yellows to equal that red or I don't know if you said I I mean I can't really argue against the uh, against the two calls. I mean yes, Oduro did make a me- make a huge meal of both of them, and yeah, the both of them could have not been yellows. But I can't argue that they um, – I can't argue completely against them being yellows. I could see them not, but I understand why they are. Oduro made a meal of it. The, uh, the, the second one was where he did like a one-and-a-half gainer to, to uh, get the yellow. I mean, Beasler, Beasler caught him a little bit with his shoulder, but he did not get enough to cut that sort of reaction. But – I mean, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, it's it's a the characteristic of the game today. So I I don't know, I I can't argue with it. Is what I'm basically what I'm saying. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that, I kind of felt the same way myself. Both of those yellows were potentially valid. I think both of them may have been a little soft. Um, the but it you just can't tell. I mean, it, it's so hard from the angles I had and everything else to really to make a good judgment on that. Um, the one really nice thing that came out of this game is coming back and winning a man down. Um, they've they've managed to do a couple wins now, a man down on the road. That it shows a lot of character with this team. I mean, do you guys see that being the you know benefit down the road, or or is this just you know we got lucky a couple times, uh, Ben? It's still kind of hard to say. I, I do think that we did go a couple times. I mean, the 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 goal that um, uh, Sporting Kansas City ended up scoring was a nice piece of attacking play, and then Dom's little back heel to get it to Peterson was really nice. Um, but I don't know. It's really hard to to play against a team like Toronto, who is really good, who was. Really outplaying for the Kansas City in the midfield, and then they come out and get that game-winning goal in the 79th minute. I think that there, there was some luck involved, but they did do well playing against the adversity of having a man back. Mike, your thoughts? I mean, coming back from a not just the winning at a man down, but coming back and just. Even having it level was, based off the way we played in the first half, was, was just 
absolutely huge. I mean, it, it was it was a much needed it basically showed the uh showed the team's intent and and the drive coming out uh to get that goal 2 minutes after the break but to to uh, i believe this is the third time on this fifth on this uh five game road winning streak that we've won the game man a man down so i mean it it's it it's definitely something that helps build build character on the team and I think it's definitely something that that'll be useful down the road specifically with the with the way that uh the the way the league's gone this year I mean there have been more we only once in our history have there been more red cards in in a season than this one and we're barely halfway through it at this point so we're going to see more red cards we're going to probably have more opportunities to play a man down so the the experience of Playing a man down, getting a goal a man down, holding on to the lead a man down—all of that is going to be um, be big, if for nothing else, than, than a mental thing where they can say, "Okay, guys, we've been here before. We can do this. We can we can get a result here." Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do love the fact that I mean that um, the team kept going for it. I, I love the fact that Vermees joked after the game that he's just going to start with ten next time and play a four-four-one. Um, mm-hmm. at, least, at least he's getting a sense of humor. The I just I mean I appreciate the fact that this team doesn't quit. It, you know they could have easily, especially with when they've got a tying goal, they could have just bunkered in and kicked it long the entire time. And don't get me wrong, there's they played defensively, but they also countered nicely and they made it. They made quality attacks still. And then you get the guy who so many, I don't want to say so many, but there's a fair amount of sporting fans who are not necessarily Jacob Peterson fans gets that game-winning goal. I just That was kind of a little extra bonus for me personally. Mm-hmm. All right, anything we about that game that we should have talked about or we forgot? Mike, Ben? I really, um, not a lot of people were talking about this, but how good that finish was on Gramzusi's goal. He had to place it absolutely perfectly into that top right corner because you had you had um, the keeper in the middle of the box and you had two guys on the line and that spot was the only one that was open. He finished it perfectly. That was an excellent, excellent shot. Very true. No, I, I agree definitely. It, it's it's the type of strike that. I want him to hit. He may only he may only make it one out of ten, two out of ten, but it's the type of strike that I want him to take, and I think that he can hit. He and he, and he he should hit uh, occasionally. I mean, th- those are the type of hits. Those are the type of goals you expect a, a, an attacking midfielder or forward that's gone to the World Cup to 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 make occasionally. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Sorry, I'm getting a little Sorry, reverb little there. there. Um, um, the next big news for the week was the announcement of the U.S. National Training Center in that they intend to build out there near Sporting Park, uh, kind of right next to Schlitterbahn, I believe. The it to me that's. Uh, it was big news. It was covered well, had governor there, but I think long-term it may even be bigger news than a lot of people have even imagined yet. Um, 
Mike, what's your take on the whole national training center being here? I mean, I think I think it's absolutely huge for for Kansas City. It's huge for the national team. I mean, we have we we have the training center in L.A. We have Bradenton in Florida, and Bradenton's more built for the for the youth teams for them to uh, for, for their residency that sort of stuff. And with and, with all of our players in Europe, it's hard to have training centers, a training center that's on the complete opposite coast of the country from where most of those players are coming from. So having somewhere more central to, to get to for those European players is, is a major bonus for the national team. And it, it just, again, speaks to the, the level that soccer's gotten here in Kansas City. Ben? Yeah, um, I'm. Well, one of the things I'm really excited for. Rob said that they're going to try and move dirt this fall, and they won it ready by um, uh, Copa America in 2016. Um, and thinking of how that's going to be the biggest uh, tournament hosted by the United States since the 1994 World Cup. That is a perfect debut for it if they can get it off the ground by that time, because now you're going to have you you're going to have the United States national team hopefully training there a little bit before the tournament starts. And once the actual tournament starts, games are probably going to be played in Kansas City. Other national teams that are coming up from South America are going to be playing, or rather are going to be training at that center. So people are going to get to look at some of the premier South American teams and, and a couple of the CONCACAF teams that might be training there. That's going to draw a lot of interest right off the bat when it opens, should they open it on time. So I think that they've got it set for a good schedule to get a lot of momentum behind it right as it opens. Yeah, that's a, it's a fairly aggressive schedule to get open because basically they have to have it built uh, through 2015, you know, in the good weather building season. But as fast as they built Sporting Park, which took – you know, put you know, digging down, building up, and all that. Uh, I think they will probably be able to uh, accomplish that, or at least a really big chunk of it by then. Um, the thing that I've kind of been thinking about is, you know, what it means for the U.S. to have such a good place to play um, or train. I mean, they're the most modern every single thing that they have, and having it all in one location. The but they've also talked about how the coaching uh, will improve because they'll have the you know tra- the, the coaching center there, or the referee training center there, having it all available for each side. And I think that kind of helps farther down for U.S. soccer long term. Wouldn't you agree, Ben? Definitely. Then um, so one of the things that Hyman was talking about during the press conference was that coaches are going to get better because they're going to be learning at this training center. Referees are going to get better because they're learning at this training center. And after that game against Toronto, I cannot wait until the referees are better. Um, so it's going to be that's going to be good for building up um, the refereeing core, which ha- which it has gotten better. We we see referees like Mark Geiger do really well, but uh, making the whole level of referees overall better that's going to be good. And then just having a central location for the United States to train is going to be fantastic for the United States for the national team. And so this is, so when it's 
winter in Kansas City, Virginia, where I'm sure they're still going to be training in California. Um, but when the weather's nice here in Kansas City, it's going to be a good central location for them to come. And when games are being held in Kansas City, it's going to be nice to have a fully equipped training center for them to work at. Mike? No, it, it'll be definitely, I mean, ha- having it here, having the uh, ha- having the coaches center, ha- having the uh, NSCAA here as well, and the uh, comments from the press conference that they're going to uh, – going to work to have the, the them and U.S. soccer work together is is a, a big bonus. The again the referee thing I I would hope is is the biggest part of it um, for this. I mean we 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 complain every week about the the level of refereeing and I know refereeing is a thing all over the world it was huge during the World Cup, but um, I, I think with MLS specifically. The the level of play has improved so greatly, and the level of refereeing, while it's improved, it hasn't it, it hasn't increased at the same level that the level of play has. And, and with that happening, you have slower ref you slower referees. You have slower decision making. While uh, while the players on the field are getting faster and faster, so getting getting referees trained so that they're they're more so that they're quicker with the decisions, quicker moving, quicker everything, it, it'll just be um, be a lot a lot better for, for MLS and U.S. soccer as a whole. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's a, that's a good way to put it about how the level of play has increased and the speed and everything. The, the, uh, the level of referees has increased, but not quite that same level. Uh, not only the level of play has increased, but I think the level of deviousness on some of the players' parts has increased as well. It's part of maturing as a league and bringing in players from around the world. Um, now, in the, the I know that everybody involved in bringing this training center here has a has a goal of helping the U.S. do better and win a World Cup. Do you think that somewhere there's a little less altruistic um, thoughts in there is that this training center will help sporting more, maybe attract players to here that might be fringe um you know, fringe national team guys who maybe want to come play in the same city as the National Training Center? Do you think, uh, you know, maybe when the U.S. is in in camp, uh, you know, Beasler, Zussi, et cetera, will be there, but they will want to train against another team and call sporting over to, to scrimmage against them? Again, raising the level of competition that these guys are getting and looks that they're getting. Do you think that was uh, – I think that's part of the whole plan there, Mike? I think it could be. I mean, I think it'll play a role at least a little bit. Um, I know at least for for the near future, they're still going to be be out at slope because I believe they still have a deal with uh, deal with Casey Mo to use that to use the slope facility and still build that up o- over time. And right now, it still looks like it would have the best the the best uh, location for a uh, a USL Pro side if if. Sporting were to go that route with with their development with the championship stadium there um, for for the team, but overall, yeah, I, th- I think it could could play a part. I think if guys wanted to be closer to uh, to where the training center was, in the case of a call up or something, definitely. Um, but I, I don't know if it'll it would be that big of a thing. Ben. 
the biggest um, impact just regarding Kansas City that I could see is not necessarily to do with Sporting KC, but rather um, Kansas City as a host city. Uh, if you look back to the World Cup bid that they were bidding for 2022, they had 18 cities, um, or it was either 18 cities or 18 venues, one of the two, uh, for the World Cup, and FIFA is only going to allow 14 for future World Cups. So in the United States bids for 2026, like they're rumored to do, um, they're probably going to have to cut to 12 to 14 to 12 venues, maybe even down to 10, depending on what FIFA wants to do. Putting this national training center in Kansas City makes Kansas City one of the venues, one of the cities that is extremely hard to cut because now you've got a very large and passionate fan base. You've got a a nice um, capacity stadium in Arrowhead Stadium that can hold soccer games. Um, And then you've got the National Training Center, which can be good for the United States before the tournament and then for teams during the tournament. So this makes Kansas City as a venue for the Gold Cup, as a venue for the... Uh, Copa America in 2016 for future tournament like the World Cup should the United States get one in the near future of 2026 or 2030 or whenever the United States gets it. This makes Kansas City a very attractive city for 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 a host. No, I, I asked that question, but in in my opinion, I do think it actually does help. Sporting in in several ways, and there'll be some other trickle down effects. But I do think you'll have those opportunities where, you know, the national team's in camp and somebody's hurt, and they'll say, "Hey, could you send over Sinovic? We need an extra player for, you know, to scrimmage with, giving him a little higher level or a look, uh, you know, various different players and for that sort of thing." I, I, but I also could see where you have those guys who maybe want to come here because it puts them closer to the training center. Um, closer to being seen by uh, Klinsman if, you know, if they're in camp and things like that. But I think there's a trickle-down effect even beyond that because I think you'd have that same effect for, for FC Kansas City for the women's side. I think you would have that same effect for even some colleges uh, potentially because I know I've talked to a couple of different women players that transferred to Santa Clara because they wanted to be closer to the National Training Center in L.A., and that was a good school for them. I don't know that, you know, KU is going to have that same level because they're not really a known women's soccer college, but perhaps UMKC with Coach Sissel there. Very small things. I think there's just all these trickle-down effects that will raise soccer all around Kansas City and, and the Midwest as in general. Um, mm-hmm. One one more question about the National Training Center, though, and I know this one is truly dear to Mike's heart. With that training center here, should the Hall of Fame be included in that building, in the in that complex, Mike? I would hope. I mean, I I think uh, I I know that it was always a funding issue, but where it was before just wasn't a wasn't a travelable, if that's even a word, location for uh, for soccer fans to go to. I mean, I've stated since, since it closed that it actually probably before that it needed to be. In a in a more more heavily populated area, more more of a center that would actually have a soccer presence, and I, I've always 
advocated for it to be in Kansas City because, well, I would I would love to get my hands into the, into the U.S. soccer archives, basically, um, that would be included in it. But I, I think um, I, I think Kansas City would be would be a perfect place for it with with the growth that it's shown um, for for soccer here. I, I think, and this is going to sound corny, but I think it's kind of a um, a microcosm of the growth of, the, of soccer in, in the U.S. as a whole. Really, I mean, w- look at how look at how much the, it's grown since since uh, 2010, when when you had uh, the huge crowds for the World Cup at the Power and Light uh, Power and Light District uh, for for the uh, U.S. Ghana game and for other games during 2010, and then in 2014, it was expected that Kansas City would have huge crowds, and even so much so that other cities were, were putting the big games. Chicago put it in Soldier Field, for example. Um, Dallas put it in uh, the Cowboys Stadium. So, I mean, it, it got to the point where other cities were, were starting to up, up their game as well with, with their support of the team with the centralized location. So I, I think it's... I think putting it here would be would just kind of be the the cherry on top showing that Kansas City is the is the stereotypical growth of what soccer's done in this country over the last four to eight years. So, so Ben, with that Hall of Fame being here, just to help put a final jewel in Kansas City's soccer capital crown. I, I feel so conflicted about putting all of them here as a fan. I would love it. Um, and just putting in everything that Mike said, putting it as the crown jewel in our proverbial crown and representing the growth of American soccer. But I've also seen a lot of debate on, or just from national fans on where it should be. And... I, I, Kansas City has become such a has become such a good place for soccer that it would seem natural to put the Hall of Fame here along with the United States Train Center. But you also don't want to kind of oversaturate the market if that makes any sense. Because now we're going to have um, we're, we're going to have Sporting Kansas City as one of the biggest t- teams in the city, plus FC Kansas City, plus the uh, National Training Center, you put the Hall of Fame there, then you're just kind of putting everything into one place. And I'm kind of an advocate for putting it into a neutral location like a lot of um, the other teams, like uh, rather a lot of the other um, American sports leagues do that are significant to um, the, the the sports. So ba- baseball has theirs in Cooperstown, New York, theirs in uh, Canton, Ohio, basketball is in Springfield, Massachusetts. Can't exactly remember ex- where hockey is on top of Toronto. Top of head. Oh, it's Toronto? Yeah. Okay, so, 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 so hockey is the exception there. But I, I kind of advocate for putting it more into a neutral location that doesn't necessarily have – that has a lot of soccer history, but not, but maybe not, maybe not the – um, presence that Kansas City has. So I could see an argument for St. Louis, maybe. If we're wanting to continue to grow the game in the Midwest, I could see it in St. Louis. I could see it, um, I don't even know where some of the older hotbeds of soccer were, but. Well, I, I'm when, you, when you mentioned that, when you mentioned that, the, the, if you wanted to go something along that route, the, then you would have to have to look at a place like uh, like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, basically. Yeah, 
with uh, Bethlehem Steel. If you're mm-hmm. wanting to go somewhere where the the uh, game grew in its infancy, that uh, Fall Rivers, Massachusetts, um, and yeah, St. Louis, those would probably be the be the three that you would really want to look at if you wanted to go to a uh, a birth of soccer sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I could understand there being some logic to doing that. I, I would probably counter that with. I don't know what it is, what the soccer communities are like there now. I, I, they were important to the growth of soccer in the early 1900s through, you know, probably the 60s at some of those towns, uh, even more so past that. For I know St. Louis would, you know, created a lot of the national team players up through today even. But I would say that putting it in Kansas City in this case would increase the chance for people to go to see the national team in training. They would, you know, they would come to a sporting game from be it L.A. or Toronto or, you know, um, Orlando or New York. They have that opportunity to come to Kansas City when their team's in town um, or when their national team's in town, see that and visit the national train, the the Hall of Fame would all be in kind of a one package that would be It'd be something that you would bring more fans in to do. It would be just that one added bonus of people coming here. I would probably never travel to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for any other reason than a Hall of Fame if it was there. And I just don't know if I would even make that trip there. I'd have to have some other reason to be in the area to make that particular trip. Throw a throw a MLS game in town? Perfect reason. All right. Um, anything else about the National Training Center that we haven't discussed that we should have thought about? Ben? Um, no, I don't have anything. Mike? I got nothing. All right. Moving on a little bit. Um, FC Kansas City played this weekend 1-2-1 over Sky Blue. Uh, ben, you were there. Did you have any thoughts on the game? Well, it was they had a couple of games where they didn't look their best. They had that seven to one aberration against Portland in Portland, and um, and then they uh, drew West. I think it was Western New York. Yeah. Um, so it was. They had a couple of they, they they were away from home for almost a month before returning home and finally getting this win. So and they looked good um, against Sky Blue FC. I was really happy to see that they were able to really control the game and really create a lot of attacks, especially in the first half. They kind of collapsed towards the end of the game. They gave up that uh, late goal where Sky Blue pulled one back, but Lauren Holiday looks as dangerous as ever in the midfield. Um, Amy Rodriguez is still still probably one of the best acquisitions of the offseason, if not the best. There's a lot of people who were kind of questioning that trade. She was coming off her year off after her pregnancy, and then now she is tied to the league leading goal. She's just been great at the top for SD Kansas City. So I'm really excited to see this team down the stretch and going into the playoffs. There's separation between them and Seattle for first and second. Then there's more separation between the Blues and Portland for third. So really all they need to do now is stay the course, and we talked about this last week, make sure they get that. Uh, first round home playoff game because they're undefeated cool. at home. 
Uh, Mike, did you have a chance to watch any of the game? I did not. I was uh, out with su- – Sunday was family day for me. I didn't get to watch the game. Um, but, I mean, I, I did, uh, did Did get to catch uh, the replay of the poor DVR of the Portland game uh, from last week. And the, the, the big thing for Kansas City is going to be getting that home game. I mean, they're, they're – Portland's a dangerous team. I mean, they up until I think they got actually I think didn't they get destroyed by Seattle last night, like or this weekend four five zero. Yeah, five zero. Um, so uh, avoiding uh, avoiding Portland at home at, for them is uh, avoiding them in Portland. I guess I should say is going to be key. At, for for Kansas City at this point. Um, so yeah, that that first home game is going going to be very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, FC Casey did look very good last night. The um, the one of the players that Ben mentioned that uh, people had questioned was Amy Rodriguez. I think the player more more people questioned about the trade for was uh, Amy LaPelbit, and mm-hmm. uh, she coming off of being not playing for over a year with a uh, knee injury, and. She it took a while for her to get actually back onto the field. A lot of people were concerned whether she was ever going to be uh, a good contributor at that point, and she was. Uh, I'd say she was the main contri- not the main contributor, but she was one of the main contributors in that very bad game they had against Portland when they got destroyed. But I, I also think that that was several players had bad games that day. This last game, she was very. Uh, discipline. She was controlled. She moved the ball up the field well, and she just showed why she was a national team player. She lost a step, quite honestly, but she showed why she was she was good and why she was that extra. She was that pickup that they strengthen their back line, the depth they have on their back line, and she can play several positions, kind of like Olam can. Uh, sporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I believe one more win for them, and they will have clinched uh, the playoff spot. Um, yeah. And just a, I think one more point after that, and they'll have clinched actually home field advantage for the first round. I could have that number wrong. Um, Mike, we uh, want to uh, – do you have a Will John update for us? Uh, not really an update of where where players are, but uh, I will say congratulations to uh, Jack Dewsbury, who uh, over the weekend played his 300 uh, MLS game. Uh, Very good. Combined between uh, the, between Kansas City and uh, and Portland, so he's I believe he's the sixth or seventh player that's uh, played for Kansas City that's played. 300 plus matches in his MLS career. So, just a congratulations to uh, Jack for that. Awesome. And for for fans who may not know why I called it a Will John update, is when Mike and I did a podcast previously, we have a segment that we called Where Will John. Will John was a player that played for the Wizards for a little while, a uh, local guy, and he continued his career bouncing around Europe. Around Europe. So, uh, anything else to round up? Um, well, 
in, in Sporting Kansas City's uh, chase for the Supporters' Shield, um, they're getting a good result tonight. Los Angeles is up three nothing in the first half on Seattle, so that'll cut one of the game one of the games in hand out of uh, Sporting Kansas City's chase with Seattle for the Supporters' Shield. Very good. Mike? That'll, the the only thing I'll, I'll say is that the, this weekend will be, uh, or this Friday will be an interesting uh, interesting game for Kansas City in the back with uh, with Olam, Beasler, and possibly Sinovic out. Will we 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 might be drafting uh, might be drafting uh, Peterson, Zizo, or Diwali to play left back for us. With, with all the call-ups, injuries, suspensions, so the the back line on Friday could could be uh, could be interesting. Absolutely, yeah. uh, I could see Peterson playing back there. He's actually played pretty well when he's been in as a outside back. All right, uh, thanks guys for calling in, and I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, there will be some. At least I'm hoping there will be a special edition coming later this week for an interview with a player. But for now, this is Thad. And this is Ben. And this is Mike. All right. Good night, guys.